All right. Let's give these just a moment here until we go live on all the platforms. I know sometimes it takes a second. But uh, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me. My name is Alex Sanders. I'm uh, your host today with MSP Initiative Live, and I'm pleased to be joined here by Robert of MSP Dojo. We've got some good content today um, and another great story, right? We love those origin stories. love hearing about where people came from, what's their background, how are they helping the MSP community today, um, our ever-growing MSP community. So um, we're going to take a couple minutes to do that. I want to do some housekeeping up front. Uh, this is recorded. It's uh, also live on all the different social media platforms. So if you're viewing us and you're on social media, we'll try and keep up with those comments, questions as much as possible. But joining the Zoom is always the best, the best way to get your questions answered. So jump on in here. We'll keep an eye on the chat, Q&A, et cetera. Um, if you have any questions, technical issues in here, chat's always the best way. You can chat with myself, Jennifer Morrison. Uh, we'd be happy to help you out and make sure that you can enjoy the show. Uh, after the fact, this is downloaded. Uh, converted into audio podcast so all your favorite platforms apple music spotify etc um and of course youtube for the video format so take a look over there uh, you can also catch our latest and greatest of what we've been up to so we just did a pretty big party a couple weeks ago um maybe we'll kick off and talk about that a little bit we had uh, a lot of fun there and still kind of in that uh post event <laughs> kind of wrap up and, and fun on our side so Let's uh, take a moment, though, and introduce our guest. So, Robert, do you want to just introduce yourself and maybe a little bit about uh, the MSP Dojo kind of mission statement? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, honored to be here, and uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, anyone who knows me, I, I don't mind talking. Uh, so, that I, the curse of a traditional sales guy, I guess. But uh, So, my name is Robert Gillette. I uh, run the MSP Dojo which is kind of an interesting hole I found in the MSP sales community as I left a seven-year job selling MSP services in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, it's just become a real passion project for me. It's all centered around this idea of role play. We identify the 52 most common sales scenarios someone's going to be in as they try and turn a stranger into a paying client you know, from sales tactics and objections and negotiation and just the stuff they say and the stuff you need to say, uh, because most of us don't have that many sales meetings, you know, unless you're a full-time sales guy, you're not rocking to a week every week. So the tendency is to get rusty in between and you kind of forget, oh, how should I say this? And what happens when someone says this? So we take those 52, we break them into four minute sections and we practice them every week as uh, the buyer and the seller in this kind of private community, nothing's recorded. It's a, a great place to be bold and fail forward and basically just get that practice done because everyone will teach you. There's no shortage of people that would love to teach you how to do this, but then you have to figure out how you do it. And the only place to do that is practicing. So you can either practice on your prospects or you can come practice with us. Love that. Uh, that's a great story. I mean, you know, I've seen that a lot in this community. That's one of the really cool things about the MSP channels, you have a lot of people who saw a gap, right? Whether it's uh, Chris Day saw the, the documentation gap and built IT Glue, right? Um, our founder, George, saw the, the gap in uh, VoIP and developed our VoIP services. Um, I've definitely seen a lot of people try the marketing and the sales, and it's generally the more traditional, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll write your emails or I'll teach you some phone scripts. I like the approach of an active, hey, let's try it, right? It's, it's a bold statement, you know, come in with something just shocking next week right and and that really you know gauging right where, where the interest should be and um i also feel like it gives you a better format because 
not all MSP service, they have the same clients, right? You're going to deal with a legal client. It's going to be way different than a medical client or your small business client, right? Your, your pizza shop, your accounting firm, right? They're all going to have very different personalities. Like I know even we always joke around that we're starting to see in the phone world, a higher and higher percentage of accounts that are going towards um, digital only, right? So no physical phones mm -hmm. except for the legal field. The legal field is still... <laughs> They love their hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's really interesting because there's these kind of like these pillars of truth that stand and have stood and will stand for a very long time that are very opposite. One is that there's nothing new under the sun. Like mm -hmm. I, I joke around that I don't know what the first job was, but I can almost promise the second one was sales. Like sales has been a part of who we are as people probably from the beginning. So sales isn't going anywhere, and it's. It's just people are more alike than they are the same. So there's this consistency to the nature of selling something to someone. But on the other side is it cannot be one to many because especially in the MSP world, every sales process boils down to the prospect is going to look you in the eye and say, well, but should I buy from you? And you're going to go, well, yeah. And if they don't believe you, then they won't buy from you. And I know I'm making it overly simplistic, but in the same way that it has to also be best practices, there's a way to do this. There is a successful path uh, or path. There's also, you have to do it your way. And the only way to work that out is to try it, try it on for size, get in the batting cages, swing the bat a thousand times, see, see a thousand pitches. And then you're going to understand what it's like for you to deploy the best practices, if that makes sense. Hundred percent. No, I think uh, I think I see that far too often, right? And, and you're right. I mean, sales at its core is the, us convincing someone to try an idea that, that we believe in, right? And uh, whether it's we should go see this movie versus this movie, or you know, every there's so many aspects in our life that we're selling. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I couldn't agree more. I mean, I definitely started my career um, on you know thinking I was going to go the technical side, went completely the opposite route. Um, you know, I still have the appreciation for technology, which is why I ended up where I am. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that I just like the the, the trial and error, the practice kind of uh, keep your tools sharp, right, mentality. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really like that. Um, I did want to touch on, so you said you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. That yeah. has got to be a busy market for MSP. You know, it's one of those funny things. I try and, uh, you know, I was always taught, and it's one of those things that as a sales manager, you want to toe the line and tell people, look, what works, works, what doesn't, doesn't, you know, your market's no different. Uh, there's nothing, you know, nothing special about your unique, your unique, your unique snowflake. And the challenge is, especially the person who carries the bag, the person who has to perform every week, mm -hmm. every month, or people lose their job. Um, it's very easy to say, well, this would have worked except for this thing. And it relieves a lot of pressure and it's a, a great personal justifier. And I don't want to pretend that's not true because it is a little bit true that you still have to figure out how to do your job and hit your goals, even when those things are true. So I would say, yeah, mostly everything is the same, but big asterisk for anyone that's watching. Uh, the, the really interesting caveat and unique thing we have about the Bay Area is this is the Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. I've never met a person that would admit they didn't understand technology. You go to Milwaukee and you tell a lawyer, hey, you don't know anything about computers. They'll go, yeah. In the Bay Area, <laughs> you tell a lawyer they don't know anything about computers. And they're like, first of all, that's not true. I'll lose all my clients and uh, I won't, I'll have to move. 
So we have this kind of our unique flavor of sales is I spent half of my time in a meeting just trying to convince people I know more than they do. And that this is actually more complicated than you're making it out to be. And I don't know if that's unique to just the Bay Area. I'm pretty sure everybody has to deal with that. But that is was the flavor I had to try and stomach in almost every meeting. It's just getting people to realize there's more to this than they want there to be. And that they are vastly uh, incapable, outclassed to make these kinds of decisions and understand the complexity on their own. Because they're a lawyer. They already got a thing going. Like they don't have yeah. to also be an IT expert. And that's just hard to convince people of in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, I'm in upstate New York. So um, I worked a lot with, with uh, MSU partners throughout New York. And I've definitely, I would say New York has a similar kind of vibe. Not not as strong, I'm sure, as as, as it is in the Bay Area. But um, you know, I think one of the things that I saw out here for a lot of those partners was it's just very congested. Um, so you're not only competing against that first mentality, then you're competing against the 12 other proposals they've received this week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the apples and oranges of, of mm -hmm. each offering, right. And you offer this backup, well, they offer that backup and vice versa on MDR. And, and it just starts going down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how did you stand out in that market? Yeah, well, so I had a couple things going for me, but I first want to uh, just totally resonate with you. You're you're not wrong uh, about the Bay Area. You know, it, I would say I never kept really good numbers on this, but it feels emotionally like about one out of every somewhere ten and fifteen, one out of every ten or fifteen company that you go to meet with in a sales scenario is working with an IT guy that they fired or he left to go start an MSP, and he, they were basically his first client. It's just a very common story. We joke the next time, whenever this recession hits that's coming, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for people that teach MSPs to grow because you're going to have this influx of IT teams and mm -hmm. salespeople that lost their jobs and team up and go start MSPs. It's it's going to be the gold rush whenever it eventually hits. So you're not wrong in that way. Um the way that I was able to be successful was I frankly didn't own my MSP. I, I came to to work for them when they were about $10 million in revenue. And I used to joke, I was hired as the first second salesperson. So the there was a, an owner that closed the business. There was there a BDR go. that did all the qualifications. And then there were a couple SDRs dialing for dollars. And I got hired as an SDR and I worked there for a mm -hmm. few months. And then when they saw that I was serious about it, uh, they converted me to a full cycle sales guy. And they said, hey, there's this fallow field over here that everyone's been ignoring. Go work that and see if you can turn it into something. All the leads came to the BDR and the owner, and I had to start from scratch and just build something. The things that I did have going for me is we were an incredibly high quality MSP. Mm -hmm. um, they had a fantastic sales process once you could get people in the funnel. Uh, and there, I, had, I worked directly for the CEO and for, uh, I think, two or three years. We had one-on-ones -on -one, one -on every Friday, and those one-on-ones would extend well beyond the hour they were, were scheduled for. And uh, this man just poured into me all of his business acumen. He's like, I want you to look and sound like a business owner. Uh, I was treated like an executive. And it was not just in the big thing or the, you know, the, the little things, it was big things too. Like I had uh, an expense budget. I didn't have an expense budget. I put money on my card and they paid it back. And it, there was, I don't think I was ever questioned one time for how I was spending that money. Mm -hmm. um, I never once filled out a time card. They're just like, you are an executive. We trust you with your time. 
Uh, and I had goals and I had to hit those goals. And if I didn't hit those goals on a weekly basis, then, you know, they'd poke at the activity and go, Hey, what's not working, but it was never because I wasn't performing or I was not to be trusted. And that attitude as well as that support really allowed me to grow into someone who could walk into a room with a lawyer that makes a million dollars a year and tell him he doesn't know how to run his business. Uh, so, which, no, in a way that, by the way, he still liked me when we were done and was willing to give me money. So, <laughs> um, so I love what you just said there. Um, you know, it's a philosophy that I learned very early on, um, in my career with sales and, and it's something that I've tried to carry with me. Um, I think it's, it's unfortunately something that's very hard for the MSP world, right? We grow up generally it's somebody who stumbled into the business. Now the business got going and I've been closing all the business, but like, I'm, I'm very married to it. Handing that off to somebody, I feel like I need to micromanage it, right? And that's unfortunately a, a big part, I think, that really makes sales in the MSP realm struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always been a big believer in if you're hitting your goals, that's, that's the number one thing I'm worried about. If you're hitting your goals, we're, we're great. I'm going to meet with you and it's going to be a congratulations. Thank you. You're awesome. Uh, how can I help you? Do you need more money, resources, whatever to keep keep that growing, right? You hit 120%. How do I get you 150% of your goal? Um, if you're not, it goes one of two routes, right? It's your activity. Is, is it there? If your activity is there, now I'm going to talk about your process, your pitch, your demo, right? How, where are you breaking down the process? Where are you losing these people? If your activity is not there, it's a completely different discussion, right? Yeah. It's, are you putting enough time in? Are you leaning too heavily on email versus calls? Are you not doing enough in person, et cetera? Yeah. And it's really interesting that I think there's a, there's, you know, what we're always trying to figure out is, is pressure. You know, it's, it's pressure and, uh, and, and trying to figure out for a, a salesperson at the individual level, like if I don't give you pressure, you will not propel forward. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to create a rocket ship here. And if I don't have enough pressure, you're never going to get into orbit. But if I put in too much pressure, you're going to blow up, you know, and I will not have a useful rocket. I will destroy a very expensive thing. Yeah. And so, you know, for some people and some sales processes and sales, you know, some, some companies, that's going to, that's always going to look very different. I was really blessed that I, you know, I was there for six and a half years, I think almost seven years. And I never once had a sales quota. Uh, no, it's not true. In my last couple of years, I did have a sales quota, but even then it wasn't like it hit this number or you're fired. It was like yeah. more, more like a goal, if you would call it, or a guideline. Mm-hmm. Um, really what the, the, the goals were around what I had complete control over, which was how I spent my time. If I was doing the right things, if I was doing enough of them. And if I was, I would be setting first time appointments with qualified prospects. And if those were getting set and they were real and we would dive into them and look into them and like, how real is this opportunity? Or are you just trying to float one by, you know, that, yeah. that was the thing I had 100% control of. And I was lucky enough that the company saw that. And that was the, that was what provided the pressure. It was these, these first time appointments, because if you want someone to truly sell consultatively, their job as a salesperson is not to get people to buy stuff. Their job is to help people through a very difficult decision. And if your product is good and your salespeople are good, a certain amount of those, those prospects will choose you. But you can't say, well, I want you to turn away the bad ones, but I'm also going to fire you if you don't close 60,000 in MRR. Those two things can't exist at the same time because the salesperson will always 
slide one through to hit their numbers so they don't lose their job. That's what they're going to do. Cause why wouldn't yeah. they, why wouldn't yeah. they? And so I was really blessed that I was able to, to sit under the right kind of pressure applied the correct way. And I, I don't, I don't, uh, I tell this people and I believe it's true. It made me a better person. It was a, a crucible through which I was melted down the pressure that was applied in the, and the support I received and just the unique characteristics of that Petri dish or whatever we want to call it, it melted me down and it it helped me form to a better person. You can ask my wife, she'll absolutely admit I'm a better husband and a better father because I did the sales job and I was able to find a way to be successful in it. It leveled me up as a, as a person. The I downside it is it can absolutely blow a guy up if you do it wrong. Absolutely. I, I think it teaches you to understand emotions, right? Mm -hmm. to, to read someone across the table. Are they uncomfortable, right? It, I just put this proposal down. Is that guy absolutely panicking? Because there's no way they can afford that, um, right? It's, I said a thing. Are they horribly offended or are they thinking? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, and all those I, I think are, are just critical. And, and those are things you do learn over time, right? Enough conversations. There's some great trainings out there. Um, and some of the conference uh, circuit, right? I mean, a lot of them offer... Some great i've seen um uh neurolinguistics um yeah. being taught i've seen all sorts of great um you know sales negotiation tactic right being taught and all those are great tools but like you said right sharpening them and understanding the process and, and when to implement them where to implement them um i think all of that's critical you know one of the areas i really wanted to hit on with you probably one of the things i see the most and i hear the most complaints about um lately you know we work with a couple thousand msps globally Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I hear is um, smaller MSPs or newer MSPs coming in and they're just trying to land grab, right? They want to get as many partners as they can and or as many end clients as they can in, in a short period of time. And they're going in at slim, slim margins. Mm -hmm. What do you do in that scenario, right? The new MSP popped up and they're just selling it at borderline cost. I mean, so if you ask Goldman Sachs, the number one reason why businesses fail, it's undercapitalization cash cash is king yep. you know and there's a chicken and an egg problem there uh one of the things i'm always asking msps is what makes you unique why are you different you know why are you a unique snowflake and um you can learn a lot about how they operate and how they think not even from a technical standpoint but from an operational maturity standpoint by the answers they give and uh i i found that uh, the medium successful MSP will often say like, I don't know. <laughs> That's actually kind of a good place to be. It's the one that spouts out about their technology stack or how responsive they are or um, the three unique whatevers that I could buy off the shelf from a vendor if I spent enough money. That's the real problem. So most MSPs start and and their first kind of half a million dollars in revenue is relationships. It's they a guy knows the guy who started the MSP and they're willing to trust him and they don't have to do any hard work to get those clients. They just have to be in the right place at the right time with the right relationship. And then that kind of like half a million to a million and a half chasm requires someone there to be a very good salesperson, to have discipline Agreed. around their process, to have a, a price that they didn't make up, but that actually is scalable. And some accountant helped them figure out they didn't just pick a number. And they understand how to how to sell that and deliver great value over time because then you've got a churn problem you've got to solve. But that that half a million to one and a half million, it 
it falls almost completely on the salesperson. And the, the biggest mistake people make, I believe, is when they look to offload or delegate a crappy process to a commissioned person. They say, hey, I'm going to pay you less than you can afford. Uh, and I'm going to dangle a carrot in front of you. I'm going to handle you. I'm going to hand you something I couldn't do myself. And let's see if you're successful. And then surprise, surprise, they don't do very well. And so three or four months later, you go, man, I'm spending a lot of money. This guy hasn't brought me anything. And they fire him and they say it's their fault. And I just think that's that should be criminal. It's not, but it should be. Uh, and we have to realize if you're going to grow your MSP to more than a million and a half in revenue, someone who is a financial stakeholder has to be willing to do that, has to be willing to sit down and do that job, or you got to get really lucky. And hey, if you're lucky, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, high five, take it to the bank. That's great. I would never recommend it to someone who's starting out. You got to figure out what you got to what, what you got to charge to make money. And then you got to figure out how you can convince people to do it. And the how you convince people to do it is going to be pretty complicated and mostly un, mostly not unique, but also a little bit unique. So yep. I don't know if that answers your question or if I just give you a no, politician. No, no, no. But I, honestly, it was it, it was a good answer, and I think it's definitely a lot of good information. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that that first half million, million and a half is is really really hard hurdle to, to cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that you know there, there's definitely that struggle of you know these aren't traditionally trained salespeople that are coming in to do this, right? It is all relationship mm-hmm. based, and then it's word of mouth, it's referrals, it's mm-hmm. all those that grow that business generally in that first half. Um, you know, we, you talked a little bit about SDR and BDRing earlier. Yeah. What's the ways that you suggest that your MSPs look for gathering those leads, right? Because half them are in the trenches, they're fixing the servers, going on site, yeah. doing all those things. You don't have the time to hammer the phones and start, you know, <laughs> generating. Yeah, that's uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, and and I would say that there's there is um, if someone tells you there is a way, I promise you they're looking to sell it to you. Uh, um, and I'm I'm not saying there isn't. Well, let me rephrase this. The way is mostly what you can stomach, not what works. Because cold calling works if you do it consistently well. Outsourcing the cold calling works if you do it consistently well. Spinning up a marketing department and having a full-time SEO manager and a video producer while you stand in front of the camera and produce content that you flood into your market can work. If you do it consistently, you do it well. The, The challenge is a lot of the time we try stuff and we go, this feels icky, but I'm going to do it because I need to, because I need to grow my MSP. And then two weeks or two months later, we burn out. We feel tor- terrible. We go see our therapist and they say, you shouldn't do things that make you miserable. And then you stop doing it. And now your MSP is not growing. So a huge part of figuring out that that gap of half a million to one and a half million is you have to find stuff that you can stomach and still feel like who you want to be on the inside. You have to reconcile the sales job with your identity and you have to find a mix of activity that you can sustainably do with a happy heart and do well when people experience it, they don't think you're miserable. And that's what allows you to spin up a sales engine. Um, and that's going to be unique to each individual person. So, you know, I tell people all the time, find the voice you like, find the person that's selling the thing that will help you grow your business, find the one you like, and then ask yourself, can I do what they tell me to do consistently and at quality? 100%. And if you can buy their program and do it. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's funny. I had a very recent experience. You know, you, you talked about the burnout, right? The what feels icky. Um, 
you know, I think if you don't believe in what you're selling, and if you haven't taken a moment to actually look at your offering and, and say, mm -hmm. I know this can better someone's business and telling that selling them, I am doing better for their business by them using our services mm -hmm. or buying our solution, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I had a door to door salesman, which is becoming less and less, uh, you know, in these days. And uh, it was about a week ago and showed up my door and it was just, the, I could tell that person was completely not into this. Mm -hmm. uh, I got to, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm here to talk to you about this. And I was like, you need to find a new job, my friend. Yeah. Can I get you a cookie, man? You're, you're yeah. tired. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta pick uh, it up. You know, tell me why you're excited about this. Um, I would agree with that. I think that's, that's very important. You have to believe in what you sell unless you're a sociopath, you know, that's yep. cool. But if you're a human that like has normal human feelings and stuff, you definitely should feel like what you're selling is, is worthwhile. Uh, but you also have to feel like the way you're selling it is worthwhile. Like if yeah. you, I, I was talking to a guy who's uh, you know, a new sales guy. We hired at a, one of my clients and you know, he, he's telling me like he can grit his teeth and do those cold calls, but the script he was running, he felt like he was not, he was being, he felt like he was stealing from people, you know, and just, just of their time. And he felt like he was being, you know, smarmy and trying to like trick his way in to talk to the guy and, and what, what the script writer thought was clever, he saw as dishonest. And so he was never going to be successful deploying that until either he changed his script or he changed his frame of mind. And we have to, we all the time say like, hey, sell what you believe in. And I'm sure you, that's not the first time anyone on this call has heard that. And it is 100% true. But you also have to believe the way you sell it. Otherwise, no, people that. are going to smell that too. And it's going to, it's like body odor. By the time you smell it, they've smelled it a while ago. And... um you know, when people smell that, they're not going to buy. So I've traditionally taken the approach of if I didn't see, you know, about you know, a couple of weeks, and if I didn't see a really good reaction, right, a really good meeting rate, et cetera, out of, out of a script, I'll ask them to put everything into their own words, mm -hmm. right? Right. You can understand the idea of this. Now, write it as if you were going to say it, right? And I'll mm -hmm. review it, obviously. But as long as I can get because no matter what, if, it, if I feel like it's in my own words, how I talk, it's going to come out more natural. Mm -hmm. It's going to come, it's going to flow nicer. You're going to feel that energy change on the call. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think those things are, are just critically important. Um, you know, I, and I feel like there's a weird stigma. Um, you know, none of us like getting the, the cold call at, on mm -hmm. our personal life. And there's been such an unfortunate flood in that scam market. Mm -hmm. So there's such a weird I don't want to ever get cold calls yeah. in, my, you know, in our personal life. And because of that, I feel like there's this mental block for a lot of the MSPs. And, and, and even in the vendor side, I've heard it. I don't want to be the used car salesman. Mm -hmm. you know, I hate getting those calls. I hate making those calls. Um, how do you help them get past that? Well, so I love that you bring up the used car salesman because my neighbor is a car salesman, believe it or not. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. You know, I love the guy. His name's Jose. Jose, you're never hearing this, but I think you're awesome. Um, the car salesman is so funny because you think about it, like people don't walk onto a car lot, um, unless they want a car. It's yeah. not like, yeah, what do you guys sell fridges here? No, like you, you know why you're there. <laughs> and the only yeah. reason we don't like the experience is because we don't trust you people. We don't trust you to be honest. We don't trust you to, to, to give us something that we need. We, there's no trust. 
And uh, the car industry has done nothing, in my opinion, uh, to save that except for CarMax, which is not a model I really enjoy because I actually like negotiating with people. But that's a different story. Um, the, the big challenge is that if you believe that you are a car salesman, if you think I don't want to be the car salesman, that means you don't think what you do is honest. Yeah. And that may not be true. That means you either don't understand your value proposition or you don't feel like you're treating people fairly or you don't feel like you're being treated fairly. Somewhere in there is uh, maybe some other things too, but that's the mix. If you feel like a car salesman, it, ble- it, it communicates to me, you don't feel like you're being honest. So you got to do a little root cause analysis here. And the the perfect story I'm going to I'm going to explain, it's like one of these little real life sales nuggets that I got at IT Nation. I was talking to the CEO of an accounting company. He had this wrist brace on his hand. And I asked him about it and he goes, funny story. So I was trained for my Ironman and uh, it was three weeks away and I crashed my bike and I broke it. Bones sticking out and everything. Like one of the two bones in his wrist sticking out. So he goes to the ER and he, and they're getting him prepped or whatever. And he goes, hey, before you know we do this, um, I need you to like look in the back or whatever and find me a waterproof cast because I got this Iron Man in three weeks and I need to have an iron, you know, I need to have a, a cast that won't get wet and get ruined. And they just go, no, no, you're not doing your Iron Man. You can't do that. And he goes, and he literally tells me, he says, ungraciously, I said, fine, I'm going to go find a doctor that knows what they're doing. And he walked out, goes to another doctor and says the same thing. I need a waterproof cast. And they say, sure, not a problem. We can, this new technology, we can 3D print one and glue it together on your hand. It'll, no problem. It'll be great. Two things you should know, however, you're not going to get a very good time because you'll be in so much pain. You'll barely be able to walk. Second of all, you're most likely going to permanently use or lose the use of your right hand. Um, did you still want to go forward with that? And he goes, no. And they do, you know, the medical treatment the way they should. He misses his Iron Man, and now he's, you know, months and months later in like a splint kind of thing. And and that's just a that's there are two types of salespeople in that scenario. There was the one that said no, and then there was the one that met the client where they were. Help them understand the, you know, the options they had in front of them in a in a way they could stomach, and then reframed them around better outcomes, and then sold them a cast and a surgery and all that stuff. So, one of the things I joke about is that everything is sales. Everything is sales. Getting my kids yeah. to eat broccoli is sales. Everything is sales. And and if you're if you feel like you're hurting people while you do it, you're doing it wrong. It's not a function of what the product is. It's not a function of your prospects. It's something about the way you're doing what you're doing is wrong. Because I don't feel bad about getting my kids to eat broccoli. I really don't. And now they love it. Brussels sprouts we're still working on. But like, it's I don't feel like I'm being dishonest or hurting anyone while I go through that prospecting and closing process. It's the same thing. It's just an outcome I really believe in. Agreed. No, I, I actually love that story. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely a, a major uh, zoom out moment, right? Take a look at what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, I think it's also on the company side, right? Like the mm-hmm. owner, whoever's putting that person in place needs to sell the value, right? Understand mm-hmm. the mission statement, right? And I think it's tough to them to zoom out, right? They're pulled mm-hmm. into everything at every moment. And there's the, um, you know, oh, I give all my clients my cell phone number and they call me on Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. the server's melting down. And 
you know, taking a moment and realizing that the groundwork you're laying today by telling them that broccoli is great, right. And, mm -hmm. and, and why it's so good for your health and it's going to make you strong and big mm -hmm. is laying the groundwork for the success down the road. Right. And, and that's mm -hmm. what um, I think is tough, right. It's, it's really easy to live in the moment. It's really hard to plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, just to, to push the metaphor, another stop down the, down the subway. Uh, I don't tell my kids broccoli is good for them. I don't, I go, Hey, Oliver, you know how you're doing jujitsu now? And you, and you know how you get tired sometime around that third or fourth roll and you feel like you don't have enough energy. Do you know broccoli is where that energy comes from? And he goes, Oh, you know, and then he eats his broccoli, you know, cause what I've done is I've attached the benefit to something he actually cares about, yep. you know, and this, you see, now we're getting a little bit into the tactics, uh, you know, the, the strategy of a sales process, but so many people go, man, we're great MSP. Look, we're so good at security. Our help desk is so awesome. You know, look at me. I'm so nice. I'm available. And it's like that. Okay, sure. That's great. First of all, no one has ever come in and said, you know what? Security, we're super average. Everybody believes they're great at security. No one is ever going to tell the prospect who can't tell the difference anyways, that they're bad at security. What you have to be able to do is, is attach all those benefits, all those features to something they actually care about and show how all that stuff you can leverage will actually help them solve their problem. And uh, I remember I was working with a, a prospect once and I, I'm, I'm, I want to always meet them where they are and with whatever process they need. But sometimes you go, well, you're not doing this very smart, but <laughs> you're trying to be a very good, you know, you're trying to be a good sales guy and get the deal. You're also trying to be a good advisor and make sure that, so, you know, you go through the meeting and you're like, okay, I've determined I am qualified. Our company is qualified to help this company. We charge a lot and we're also very good. And I'm comfortable with that too. In this scenario, it's not going to break their bank. They can afford us. It's not a problem. And uh, I remember the owner, when we looped him in, literally said, well, the guy doesn't do this and he doesn't do this. And he's a Raiders friend. So we know we can't trust him. And I, <laughs> and I kind of glanced around the office and I was like, man, there's a lot of 49ers gear around here. And I'm looking at the bobblehead over there and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to log that away. So when it came to the next step of the sales process and he came and visited our site, our office with our leadership team, I sent out an email the day before. And I said, hey, if anybody's got any Niners gear, feel free to bring it in, wear it, put the bobblehead up, hang the flag. I'm not saying don't, if you're a Niners fan, this is Niners day. Don't go out and buy stuff, but if you are, bring it. And you know, there was a suspicious amount of 49ers gear and that man walked around the office and pointed out every single one of them. And then literally told me at the end, one of the reasons why he felt like we could trust us is because we're 49ers fans. Now, if I, if he, if I was his mentor or if I was his business coach, I would have advised him that is a terrible way to choose an IT provider. Um, yeah. But that wasn't my job on that day. And to the best of my knowledge, that client is still with the company I worked for and perfectly happy. So I don't know, man, you got to meet the client where they are, whatever that means. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've hit on a lot of different areas, right? We've hit on a lot of the, the big ones, right? What would you say is the number one mistake you see MSPs making today? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to guess we're going to stay on the sales side because that's kind of my expertise. And of course, this is the moment where I'm going to toot my own horn. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt here. But uh, some, somebody told me, and I think there's someone at ConnectWise. So if this is wrong, please feel free to send me an angry email. But they said 85% uh, of MSPs have fewer than 10 first-time appointments with prospective clients a year. 
like that's that's I averaged like between 80 and 100 as a sales guy. And I just could not imagine being in a place where walking into a sales meeting and it's been five weeks since you've had one. Um, it's It would be like wait, getting up right now and running a marathon. Like you're not going to do very well. I just can't understand how someone does that. And so that's the first thing that I see is like, you just have to, you got to find a way to get more FTAs. I don't even care if they're bad at this point. You need to be warmer than that. Because if you blow one of those 10, that's like your entire margin for the year. Like that, your whole profit margin re- could have been represented by that one prospect. It's just yeah. not, not great. Um, and the second thing is when I first started the MSP Dojo, I called a hundred MSPs and I asked them a handful of marketing questions. And one of them was like, what do you feel like you need most? What would help your business most from a sales standpoint? And they said, more, better leads, more, better leads. But when I really dove into it, their closing rates were abysmal. Mm-hmm. And the the hard truth for most salespeople, which are business owners in their MSP, is that if you doubled your closing rate, you would do well, you'd probably double your sales, I'm guessing. And also, it's a whole lot easier and cheaper than getting a bunch more leads you can't close anyways. Yep. The, the reason why that's so tough, though, is it requires the business owner to actually do something. They would much rather throw three grand at another company and get an outcome or six grand at a sales guy and hope that he closes something and gets commissioned. Uh, and that's just never, that's just a waste of money. The, that, that half a million, million dollar MSP needs to bite the bullet put a financial stakeholder in the full-time sales role, find a way to get everything else off their plate, or at least leave them alone for 40 hours a week to go do the sales job, like carry a quota, do the job. Um, That would, that if you're trying to get to a million and a half in revenue, that is the key doing that. And, And again, the company I worked for was at $10 million in revenue. $10 $10 million in monthly, well, not monthly, annual recurring revenue. So we're not even including projects in that number. Like they had MRR that equaled $10 million in revenue and the business owner was right. still closing business because he's the one that could do it. And he built yep. a team to support him. It's just, if you're not willing to commit to that, if you're not willing to get good at that, and I'm not saying you have to be a star-spangled awesome, the best in the world, but if you're not willing to own it, and do it and do it well, at least at Pareto's law, 80%. Like, I just don't know how you get to be, you know, uh, the kind of business that has enough EBITDA to do your exit. I just don't get it. I don't know how it happens. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, and that seems to be the goal nowadays, right? I mean, and then I know that's not everyone's goal, right? There's definitely the l- legacy or yeah, the lifestyle business. That's great. Yeah. But the path um... to get from one to both looks the same. Yep. <laughs> it's the same journey, just you, different stops along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, in, in all honesty, um, when you look at it and when you look at the journey and what you're going to do, whether you're going to hand that off, you're going to sell it, whatever, um, you need to keep up. And, and you know, you hit on it perfectly, right? 10 appointments a year is is scary, right? And, and the close rate for most MSPs is probably what, 10%, 20%, right? They haven't really focused on sales. Yeah. And by um, the way, real quick, I'm going to cut you off. If you believe your close rate is 90%, you're lying. You're wrong. One of two things: you're either not counting the bad ones, yep. um, you know, or I don't know. You're probably just not counting the bad ones. Yeah. So 
that was a Niners fan. Doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were never going to win that one. They weren't qualified because I couldn't reframe them. Like that's yeah. not, no, no, can't count those. Got to count them all. Yep. Um, so, I mean, if you're going that route, you've got to look at um, keeping up with inflation. I mean, you're going to have to make more money, right? The money you made today, you're going to have to make more next year and your employees, your techs and everyone else is going to expect to be paid more next year. Right. And you have that responsibility mm-hmm. to bring people into your business to keep providing for them, right? They are now part of your family um, and they need to be elevated with you. And, um, you know, I think you you hit on something really good there and something I see a lot, which is, they, you know, there is that kind of reflex of that. I'm too busy over here. I don't have time to think about getting leads. I'm just gonna throw money at it. And um, there's a lot of people out there who will say you list, mm-hmm. don't do it. Well, you know, um, here's the thing, you gotta start somewhere. You, oh, you yeah. gotta start. But data is a live, it's like the secret garden, man. I don't know if that's a too old a reference, but it's like data is, it's like a living, growing thing. And mm-hmm. if you if you buy, even if someone could sell you the perfect list, within three months, it's not, it's not well managed anymore. It's 100%. it's it's like a garden that's gone to seed. It's just out. It's there's everything, it's no longer good. It must be maintained. It must be. You know, I remember I, I got into a big fight with my CEO about four years into the job because the CRM we were using, I hated. We were actually selling. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. I hated our CRM. And I literally kicked, like threw open my CEO's door and I said, that's it. I'm buying my own CRM. And if you don't like it, you can fire me. And he went, let's go get some lunch. And we walked down and had lunch at a, at a cafe that was close to the office. And after about half an hour, he's like, hey, Robert, here's the deal. I pay you a base salary to maintain data. That's all you do. That's your job is to make the data a living, well-manicured garden. So that when I turn to you and I say, reach in and pull out five perfect apples because someone needs to eat, you know where they are and they're tended to and everything's fine. I can't have that garden go with you if you quit. I love that. And I was just like, and I, I just, to me, I was like, I got, that makes so much sense because yeah. when I need to pull out, when I start my Monday and I know I have to get two qualified first time appointments this week, that's my goal. Cause next Monday I'm going to sit under the thumb of the CEO in a call. And he's going to ask me, did I do that? What I'm doing is I'm looking into my garden. I'm looking into my database and going, okay, where am I going to find those two? Here's five that I know are close. Let's tug on them and see if two come off the tree. But if you don't have, if you just buy that list, not only is it going to be a bad list because no one's been tending to the garden, you don't know it. You don't know it. You don't know what all these things are. You're starting from scratch. So no, don't, please don't. I mean, if you're going to buy a list, sure. If you got to start somewhere, buy a list, but understand half of it at best is good. The rest, you're going to have to tend to the garden. You're going to have to weed and trim and tie back and water and take care of it. I would say you're better off. Uh, I mean, and, and it's all geographical, right? I mean, yeah. uh, the reality is if you're in a more rural area, 90% of, of your you know, first couple clients will be, no matter what, you should always lean on relationships first. But um, I would say when you're in a r- more rural area, a lot of it's going to be relationships. If you're in a major city, you can go door to door, right? Don't be afraid to do that. You know, people will still answer. They will still talk to you. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be surprised because a lot of times people aren't doing that anymore, right? It, everything's gone digital. Um, that's where, you know, we've seen a huge trend in sales with people using video. 
it's something that we relate to. It's something that we digest easier nowadays than, you know, another email. Yeah. I mean, it's that you're going to have to find a mix of, you know, what works and what you can stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I have a client who is in a major market here in the Bay Area. Um, I'm 100% sure I, we sat down and spent about a half an hour in the open office hours and I laid an entire prospecting plan for him. And it fell apart on step like six because he's like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I, I, he's like, that would send me into an anxiety, a panic attack if I had to do that activity every day. And I was like, cool. This is clearly a bad plan. And it's not because the strategy is black. The, bad, and the strategy is fine. Yep. Um, the, it's that you can't do it consistently. It doesn't make sense for you. So yeah, I would never tell my um, Northern New York client to go out and buy a bunch of Google ads because that's going to spray Manhattan where they're like three and a half hours away. So, you know, that's, you got to find what works, but also what works for you. Agreed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we are getting towards the end here. I just want to say if anybody has any questions, if you've been putting questions in on social, feel free to shoot them over to zoom or we'll try and keep an eye out for them. I was trying to keep an eye out on my phone. Um, but, uh, as we're getting towards the end here, if, uh, if, if I'm the MSP, I'm, I'm the owner, I've been manning this from day one and I'm starting to get to the point where I say, you know what? I think it might be time. I'm, it's, it might be time to add that second person. Um, I guess a and B a, is this something that you help that with? And B, where do I start? Yeah. So I would just, again, encourage any person that's a business owner trying to hire a salesperson. Um, are you a good, are you an example worth following? And if you're not, don't do it yet. You know, this idea that you can bring in some, like if you can truly find someone who without your mentorship can close $60,000 in monthly recurring revenue every year, you haven't hired an employee. You've hired a competitor who hasn't figured it out yet and they're going to leave. And they're going to look around and go, I do all the hard work here. And they're going to go start their own business and you're going to be really unhappy. So the very first thing is you got to be an example worth following which means you're going to have to get good at this in some way, shape, or form. And that includes the prospecting and the closing. I'm sorry. I just don't know another way. If there is, follow that guy. But this is the way I know. So that's the first thing. And to get really good at hitting home runs, you need two things. Someone's got to teach you how to hold the bat, where to put your feet, bend your knees, bend your elbow, you know, twist your wrist and push with your back foot when you swing. That's how you hit the ball. Cool. You've now gone to hitting, you know, hitting school. You've read the book, done the program, you know now know how. And then you can either go play in a baseball game or go into the batting cages. And either way, you're going to be practicing. But chances are it's going to be a lot less embarrassing, a lot more effective, a lot less expensive to go into the batting cages and see a thousand pitches. So that's what I'm telling people about the MSP Dojo is they're like, man, you should create some content. Robert, you clearly know about this. You should make a program. No, 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 no. There's lots of people. I can list off 10 of them that I really like that will teach you how to sell. That will teach you the system, the process, maybe even comes with a CRM and coaching. I don't know, whatever. Find the voice you like and go f- buy their system. Then come to the MSP Dojo and practice it. Practice it with other MSP salespeople, business owners and salespeople that know exactly what it's like to be in a first-time appointment with a real prospect because they do it all the time too. And get some real-life practice of the things people are teaching you so you can take their winning lottery ticket and turn it into your winning lottery ticket 
And then you can be successful. Then you'll be an example worth following. You'll hit your revenue goals. And by the way, when you have more clients, when you have those revenue goals, there's a lot less pressure for that brand new salesperson to be super successful in month two because cash solves a lot of problems, covers a lot of sins you know, in your business. And so if you're struggling and you're thinking, man, I got to make more money. I got more clients. I got to, I got to grow. I got to do something. The answer is not to delegate that to someone else. The answer is to say, it's way easier to hire a tech. It's way easier to hire an accountant. It's way easier to hire an operations manager or a project manager or some, it's way easier to outsource my knock than it is to find someone who's going to work as hard as I do or care as much about growing my business. And that's just the truth. You got to find a way to get into sales full time. Someone's got to teach you how to do it and then come to the MSP dojo and practice what they're teaching you. Create that positive feedback loop so that you can learn how to do this. You can learn when what you say offends people. You can learn your prospects never going to tell you you're bad at sales. They're just going to tell you you're too expensive and go away. And yep. go give their money to somebody else. We have no problem telling you you're bad at this. We'll do it in a gentle way, you know, so that you can be a little bit embarrassed, but at least it's not expensive and you don't lose an opportunity and you'll grow and you'll get better. And then you'll start closing deals and your business will grow. And then it might make sense at some point to hire a salesperson. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and unfortunately that that is just, I think it's an area of human nature and people think it's, the kind thing to do to tell you, uh, you know, just not going to work for us. It's too mm -hmm. expensive. Um, it's rare that you get that real feedback. Like what actually killed this deal? Um, mm -hmm. You know, for us as, as you know, MSP vendors, we joke around all the time that it happens mm -hmm. in the uh, event space, right? If somebody doesn't have a mm -hmm. good event, right? Whether it's my own internal sales process, whether it's mm -hmm. the food you serve, right? Well, what, what was it that really tweaked? someone on our side um and generally the answer is just oh sorry we just don't have enough budget this year yeah um i call it the sniff test because yep. we we assume people know and they don't they really don't it's that at some point in the sales meeting you said a thing and they went and something didn't smell right and their stomach turned a little bit and then as dale carnegie says i think it was dale carnegie says that people um buy with emotion and justify with logic so they had an emotional reaction at some point in your sales process that told their subconscious, um, oh, I don't think that's right. And then they took that feeling and they wrapped it in logic and then delivered it to you so that you'd stop emailing them. Yep. Agreed. And I mean, I think we hear it all the time in our spaces, people buy from people, right? Yep. Um, you know, we hadn't met before this. But now I know you have kids, you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? Yeah. Your son does jujitsu, right? I, I, you came in here as a person, right? And you're telling me about mm -hmm. your great services. Um, but you came in here, at, you know, as Robert, the, the guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you became relatable. And, and, and that's where people buy from people, right? I think if you come in and you come in stiff and you've got a PowerPoint and you're following it to a T and you're reading off the PowerPoint, I mean, that ner those nerves, they show through. Mm -hmm like a blinding light those um, nerves you said nerves <laughs> man and i want to i want to make sure we don't pass go past that yep. um you know i joke around with people like what's the most dangerous thing you do what's the most the most dangerous thing you do like we we know statistically it's driving but it doesn't feel that way it doesn't feel like it's driving yeah. so like when we're talking about the you know the limbic system in your brain that like operates and like dumps adrenaline into your system and responds to threats like it's trained to 
be on the lookout for lions around trees or when someone comes to burn your village down. Like we don't, we don't use that very much anymore. And so it adjusts down to the level that is relevant. And for most people, the scariest thing, most dangerous thing you do is a sales meeting. You're going to walk into another person's office. You're going to ask them for money. And if they say no, you might miss your payroll. You know, you might, you're, you might go out of business. You might have to fire a person. It feels very, like that is what our like system, our entire system is designed to interpret and do. And so uh, one of the scariest things, most dangerous things, according to your brain is going to be a sales meeting. And of course you get nervous. And of course the client picks up on that and goes, mm, maybe not this one. Absolutely. Looks like we did actually have a comment on LinkedIn, uh, which uh, Nintendo actually uh, quoted you be an example worth following. And uh, mm. yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, you know, I think that that's, um, you know, the, I think that is a critical part of this. And, and, and I think it's something that not enough people are talking about. So, so I appreciate you doing that um, on the nurse, you know, category. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely what our 2023 brains have now deprogrammed to do because we're not out in the woods and hunting and you know hopefully creating mm -hmm. fire that doesn't draw in predators but yeah um it, it's you know and, and i i wish that more you know schools would work on public speaking at a younger age and, and mm -hmm. things like that because I, I think that that be, does become this weird on a pedestal fear a, as you grow um mm -hmm. and kind of culminates in that awkward high school middle school age where you're like i'm never talking in front of other people um where you know you then fast forward and look at you know, where you can be, right. If, if you do find that, that comfort and, and it does come with practice, right. I mean, mm -hmm. driving was scary. The first time you did it, you got behind the seat of the, you know, you got behind the wheel, your parent was sitting next to you. You were hoping that dad wasn't going to yell at you or mom wasn't going to have a panic attack. If you got too don't close wreck to the car, don't wreck the car, don't wreck the car. Yeah, exactly. Now you get in the car, you don't even think about it. what are you doing? You know, you're firing up Spotify. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're thinking about which drive through you're going to hit for your coffee. Mm -hmm fear and the totaling the car is probably the last thing on your mind because you gain confidence. Uh, but that happened through practice. Practice so. is the great equalizer. It, it really is. It's, it's the thing that everyone hates doing because it's vulnerable. It's awkward. It's time consuming. It's not efficient, yep. but there every, anything you practice, even if you don't get better at it, you get more confident and less nervous just because it becomes old hat becomes normal. You know, and yeah. I, I do believe that you have to be pretty bad at practice to not get better at it, but, uh, it's, it's the great equalizer. It's just not efficient and I can't buy it in a bottle and I can't deploy the SaaS software solution. You know, I, I just, I understand that I, I, I can empathize with it, but it is essential. It's mission critical. You got to get the practice and you got to put in the reps. It's the only way to grow. Agreed. Um, if you know, uh, we're going to have our last couple minutes here. So last question, I guess, if, uh, if you're talking to an MSP today, would you suggest they put aside like a certain amount of time today, even on their own, that they is a half hour a day, right? Just get in front of that mirror or get yourself on a zoom and, and just practice it, right? Write it down. W what's the best thing that they could do today yeah. to try and help themselves? So there are, you know, it's, um, gosh, that's a tough one because I want to know, I would want to know where they are, but I would, I would say, look back at the last 10 clients you got, you mm -hmm. know, where did they come from and, and why did they buy? And then do your best to do that 10 times more. And that's not always doable. That's not always, you know, something that can be achieved, 
you know, especially when you're, you see the $2 million MSP that got all their business because they have a charismatic owner. Well, you can't just double that. You know, you're, you're out of luck. You got to find a new way. So sometimes there isn't, the answer isn't just do more, but if you're, you know, at that early stage and you're still trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I, how do I look back at your last 10 and try and do that more? If you don't have that answer, if that's not available to you, I promise you, there's a bunch of people that would be happy to sell you something that will teach you how to, how to solve this, um, find one you like and buy it, but understand the answer is going to be, you have to do something. It's not going to be buy my system. It's not going to be deploy this marketing. I love cold calling companies. I love marketing companies, but they're not going to solve your problem for you. And the problem is at some point, someone's going to look you in the eye and go, well, should I buy this? And you got to go, well, yeah. And they have to believe you. That's the yep. problem. 100%. No, and back to believing what you're selling, right? Mm -hmm. um, we do have a quick question. And the other thing I want to do is... Um, while we're answering that, I just want to make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you. So um, okay. if people heard this and they say, all right, I got I to gotta talk to Robert. I want to figure out how I can start practicing with him and other MSP owners. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, it's the only social media I'm on right now is LinkedIn. Uh, or just go to mspdojo.net and you'll find us. Perfect. All right, we're going to drop that in the chat. Um, and we'll make sure that that goes up in the uh, YouTube description, podcast description, et cetera. So everyone make sure to uh, go and follow Robert, connect with him on LinkedIn, take a look at what the uh, MSP Dojo is doing. Um, and of course, I don't want to leave any questions unanswered. So uh, we'll run this right up to the hour. So it looks like we did have another question come in from Pondo. He asked, uh, Robert, what are your thoughts on MSPs hiring cost-effective talent out of Africa or I guess anywhere in the world, right? What, do you, what are your ideas on offshoring? You know, uh, I'm going to approach it only from the sales side. Um, I don't have a problem with it, but you have to be very specific about what you what you want from them and what you can expect from them. You ain't ever going to hire someone from even another county, much less another country, that's going to convince strangers to work with you um, every time. That's that's a very, that's a unique, that's a unicorn if you can find one of those. Um if especially if you're a local business, if you're a big national firm, that's a different, you know, calculus, but, um, I have absolutely hired people on Upwork to help me massage data. I mean, one of my favorite things back when I was selling for, uh, for my MSP was I, I went on Upwork and I said, Hey, I want a list of, uh, a hundred of the, a uh, hundred nonprofits between 10 and 200 employees. I want to know the name of the CEO, the, or executive director, the CFO and the director of the board of directors. And I want their LinkedIn and I'll pay an extra 10 cents per verified email. And I think for under 150 bucks, I got that entire list done with verified emails. That would have taken Perfect. me weeks to put together, but yep. you know, someone in, uh, I think it was like Alabama, you know, Afghanistan, Afghanistan or something, put that list together because they have tools and they have people for cheap. And I'd use that list. And again, it was about half good and I, you know, figured it all out. All the other rules applied, but um, I'm a big fan of outsourcing. I have an executive assistant right now in El Salvador. She's amazing. I love her, you know, but yep. she didn't have to be in the San Francisco Bay Area. There's not um, a 10x uh, value for the 10x it would cost to have her next door to me. For sure. Yeah, so. no, I mean, I think our MSP um, very early on, we were struggling. Our MSP was based in Philadelphia, which mm -hmm. you're losing people to New York, Boston, DC. Um, we just finally had hit a wall where our owners said, oh God, you know what? I'm, 
just for the heck of it, I'm just going to throw up in a bunch of different, you know, kind of second tier, third tier cities. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we had employees in, you know, rural Colorado and, uh, you know, Oregon and all these other places. And it naturally extended our support hours by them just working mm-hmm. the normal day, which we're like, now we're on to something. Yeah. And it worked out I, great yeah. for us. When I sold in my MSP, I used to tell them, you know, one of those, one of those landmines I would lay for other vendors. If I knew they were up against it's like, you know, ask them if they have any employees uh, in other countries, you know, ask them mm-hmm. if Russia's running their help desk or they're not. And, you know, and it was uh, it was a cheap trick, uh, you know, but it was like 2018 and I'd get away, I'd get away with it. COVID broke that. Everybody is uh, comfortable now with remote work and servers in China. They're yeah. just, maybe not everybody, but it's more common than it used to be. So okay. I would say if you've been resistant to it for reasons um, that are pre-2020, I would encourage you to look at those again and maybe say, can I find ways to leverage talent that's just as good, but because their country of origin is different than mine, uh, you can pick them up cost-effectively. Also, just on a side note, if you're one of the kind of people like me that really loves raising people's standard of living, like it's just way easier to do that for someone in El Salvador than it is in Alabama. It's just uh, you know, way easier to give that person a killer rate and a killer job um, just because of the nature of economics. Agreed. Yeah. And and and, uh, and I'll just end it with, um, it is critical. I've worked with people in multiple different countries, set the expectations, but know the expectations you know, and reasonable expectations, right? Survey your peers, survey your vendors, right? Figure out what's the reasonable expectation for that company. Um, you're not going to turn it on and get a hundred leads. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. If you do, they're probably not great. Um, and you have to give feedback and you have to give mm-hmm. yourself runway that if this, if this doesn't work in month one, it's going to go month two, three, four, as long as they're listening and continuing to adjust their process and, and what they're feeding back to you, then it's yeah. working. And do a drop dead date. Yep. Say, hey, what should I get by when? And yep. you know, and if we haven't gotten this, you'll give me permission to part ways without being sad. And they'll say, yep. oh, I can get you this by this many months. You know, cool. Let's drop that by ten percent and let's put it on paper, so that you know we aren't confused six months from now. Agreed. Well, Robert, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, I hope to see you. you more at uh, at some of these trade shows and stuff coming in next year. We've got our own educational event, MSP Community Minds, uh, which you know we should probably chat about. See if uh, maybe we get you to come and hang out or maybe educate at. So, so love it. Uh, <laughs> we've got two of those coming up next year: yeah. one in April, one in uh, July. So or June, excuse me. Uh, but we will get uh, we'll get some info over to you. So hopefully we'll see you out there. And uh, I. Uh, I hope you have a successful rest of the year if I don't talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Same to you. Absolutely. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye.